Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. Give you guys a brief recap. Uh, we asked a lot of questions that I think uh, we should uh, constantly ask ourselves as Christians to make sure that our purpose and function as a Christian and, uh, and a local church doesn't get lost. Let me say that again. We, we asked ourselves a lot of questions last week that I think we need to constantly uh, remind ourselves as Christians and as a local church so that our purpose and our function doesn't get lost. How many know you can get lost doing something? Uh, it's easy to put your life or a different situation on autopilot and, uh, and, and go through the motions. Anybody ever gone through the motions when it came to church? Right, I have. Uh, I've been in the ministry now almost 23 years and I have to make sure that I'm not going through the motions. You know how many funerals that I've been to and gone to? You know what I have to do every time I either do a funeral or go to a funeral, I have to shake myself and say, why are you going? Because I want to be a light in that person's life. I want to be a comfort through the Holy Spirit in that person's life. I cannot allow those situations, although I've been through them over and over and over, I cannot allow those, those situations to make me cold and distant because that person is in that place at that very first time, right? And so as a Christian, we can do that. We can come in week after week, month after month, year after year, and we can begin uh, to really lose sight of what our purpose and our function is in the local church. Um, I think it's so important to constantly remind yourself, why do I church? Why do I do this? Why do I church? Um, what is the importance of attending and being connected to the church as an organization? Now, I said last week, I don't like that word. I'd rather use the word organism because the church is alive. It's a living thing. But there is organization within the church. It has to be there. Why? Because God is a God of order. Amen? And if God is a God of order, then how many of you know his church has to be in order? Right? And so what is the importance of, that I participate in this? What is the importance that I participate in the programs and the services of the local church? And our main point last week was being involved, and it's really kind of the main point of the entire message, but being involved in the local church shouldn't be about consumption only. Being involved in local church shouldn't be about consumption only. Being involved in local church is also a vital connection to your life as a believer. Being connected to the local church is also a vital connection to your life as a believer. Now, I want to preface this whole series by saying that if this is your first time this morning, or you know, you would consider, not me, but you would, you would consider putting yourself in the category of, of sometimes I go and sometimes I don't, and it's just here, it's kind of hit or miss. I'm not putting that on. I want you to know that this message is not to uh, embarrass anybody, to put anybody on the spot or anything like that. But how many of you know that, that uh, Paul told Timothy that this, everything in the Word of God is there for a, 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 just a select few things? And one of those things that it's there for is it's for correction. And the Bible says that whom the, love, uh, whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Amen? So, so if the Lord didn't love you, he wouldn't want to correct you. How many you know, as a Christian, you don't get saved and then you just do everything perfect from that day forward? Even though God sees you as perfect because of the blood of Jesus, it doesn't mean you're going to automatically do everything perfect. And so if we're not going to automatically do everything perfect, yet we serve a God who has certain um, um, demands as a Christian, what, a, what, what he says his people looks like, one of the demands that he says is that they will know, meaning the world will know that you are mine because of the love that you have one for another. That's a command. That's not a suggestion. Anybody ever had a kid that you gave them a command and they took it as a suggestion? Right? Well, God's got lots of kids that listen to commands and they take them as suggestions. 
And because he's a loving God and because he's a God full of grace and because he's a God full of mercy, sometimes we can begin to think because God's not on my case about this that he is not concerned about this. And you could be never more wrong in your life because God does have a standard. Even though he's full of grace and mercy, he does have a standard. And because God's full of grace and mercy, and and maybe we're not hitting that all the time, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a picture of what he wants his church to look like. The Bible actually says that, that his church will be without spot and it'll be without wrinkle. Amen? God has a vision of what his church is gonna look like or should look like. So it's not just about consumption. It's also about connection. Being a part of the local church is not about consumption only, but it's also about connection. If you're consumption-minded only, if you are, when you think about going to church, we're going to church this morning. If you are consumption-minded only, you will only show up when you're in need of spiritual information or in need of a good deed fix. You know, I've not really been the greatest lately. I probably need to go down there to church to get back on God's good side. Listen, Jesus put you on God's good side, whether you go to church or not. Jesus put you on God's good side. If you could have put yourself on God's good side, then Jesus would have never came because he wouldn't need to, and God would have just put out these, if you go to church... X amount of times a year, if you serve in this place, you serve in that place, then maybe you can be on my good side. No, no, no. Jesus said, or God said, they'll never be able to make it. I gotta, I gotta put somebody down there perfect to put them on my good side. So he sent his only son, Jesus Christ. He was crucified, buried, raised again on the third day for you to put you on God's good side. The Bible says that you are now, if you're saved, if you've received that sacrifice that Jesus made for you, made him Lord of your life, that now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's, that's what you are. Now, so, but it doesn't mean that just because Jesus did all that, that God still doesn't have a desire for you and your place in his church or in his body. Amen? If you understand the necessity for the body's connection to each other, You will not only come for what you get out of the connection, but because you understand the whole body needs your connection. So so this morning, and through this series, my desire for you is that not only that you see the great need for yourself to be connected to a local body, but that the great need for others that you're connected to the local body. Is that okay? I kind of, when I was putting this together, I kind of started looking at the church almost like Christmas lights, right? Anybody ever mess with Christmas lights? They got a power source, right? And unless they're plugged into the power source, nothing's coming on. How many know Jesus is our power source, right? But how many know that those Christmas lights are not out there individuals, each one, each single bulb plugged into a power source. How many of you know that the power source is, is, is supplying all the lights at one time? How many of you ever had a bulb burn out? It lost its connection, right? So the church is connected to Jesus, and then we're all connected together as the body of Christ. But I have seen it more times than not. Someone lose their connection. And for a moment, it can literally put out the rest of the strand. You ever seen one? I'm glad that they have them now where if one goes out, it's not all of them. It's the last one. And you replace that one. They all come back on. Right? You ever had somebody or, or known of a situation who... For whatever reason, they got mad, they got upset, they got offended or whatever, and and they disconnected. You know what? For a moment, it can actually take the rest of the strand out. And then maybe over time, most of them get reconnected. But anyway, so we're like Christmas lights. The body of Christ a lot of times is like Christmas lights. We have a power source, Jesus. But if one of us goes out, 
the rest of our connection can be lost. Not forever, but it can happen. And and I'll show you this in the Word. I'm not just going to leave it there. So let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. This morning's uh, message is entitled, We Are Always Better Together. We are always better together. So if you go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and then you'll go to chapter or verse 12, we're going to read from there all the way to uh, verse 27. And I want you to really pay attention to how this works, and, and, and then we're going to do our, our very best job of kind of explaining what's going on there. But this is Paul, and he's writing a letter to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was always getting things out of order. They were always majoring on things um, and making them the whole thing, but neglecting some of the more needful things. And Paul was constantly having to write letters to correct them. In this particular instance, there were, you know, relatively um, young Christians, baby Christians, who were um, trying their best to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But in doing so, they were actually walking out of love towards each other. And we know that because of all the correction that Paul was having to do, to having to do about the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church, coupled with the fact that the, the, you know, the large majority of the book is about how we work together and walk together in the love of God. And that that is the most important thing. And so in this, uh, in this correction letter, uh, in chapter 12, verse 12, he says, For as the body is one and has many members. He's talking about your physical body. He's using this as an illustration that says, Just like your body is one body, but it has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So he makes a connection between the way your body is made and how your body works together and how the body of Christ should be and how it should walk together. For by one Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, that's the church, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, meaning that God's no respecter of person, and have all been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. The body is not one member, meaning the body of Christ is not one member, but many members. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Now this is where it gets, gets interesting. Because he's dealing with these factions in the church. And we can all experience that. There's churches all over America, all over the world that deal with factions. And what I mean by it is, when we notice someone who is not like us, we can tend to discredit their importance in the body of Christ. And I'm not saying this to brag about myself this morning. I'm actually saying this to bring that perspective down. But if you were to look at this morning, my position in in this local body, you would probably say he is the most important one here. He led worship. He's the pastor of the church. And And now he's in there preaching and teaching. The Bible doesn't say I'm the most important. Actually, it says that the parts that are unseen in the body of Christ are going to receive greater glory than the ones who are seen. I'll read it to you. So he says, If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? That's a rhetorical question. He's being facetious. He's saying, listen, if your foot woke up, or let's let's read it. Yeah. If your foot should say, because I'm not a hand. If you woke up this morning and your foot said, you know what? I'm feeling a little important. I just feel like people walk all over me. I'd like to be a hand. It seems like there's better care I get stuffed in old smelly shoes all day. 
nobody really cares about me. You know what? If, if I can't be a hand, if I can't start being a hand today, then I'm not going to be a part of this body anymore. I mean, you know, your body does not have that option. Right? Your foot doesn't have that option. Why? Because our bodies understand that the way we were made is the way we were made and where we were placed is where we were placed and where we were connected is where we're connected. And that's all I know. I'm a foot. And if the foot was asked, how does the hand work? The foot would probably say, I'm not really sure. The hand handles that. But all over the body of Christ, we have feet and hands and nose and eyes and and, and, and either they're down on their self and they're like, I didn't want to be an eye, I wanted to be a nose. And the nose, well, I didn't want to be a nose, I wanted to be an eye. We have that going on, and if we don't have that going on, we have people saying, look at those noses over there, they stink. They're not near as pretty as us eyes over here. And so Paul is correcting this. He says, the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? I don't know about you, but I like my eyes and my ears. I like them both. If you asked me, which would you rather, no eyes or no ears, I'd say neither. I want them both. Well, if you could get rid of one eye and one ear, would you do half and half? No. I want them both. Both. I want double eyes. I want double ears. I don't want no half. I want them both. The whole body were an eye. Where would the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? And then he goes on. He says, but now God... Who? Who is this? God. Now, right now, in this very instant, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. If you don't like the fact that you're an eye, you can take it up with the Lord himself. But no matter how hard you try, you will never be a nose. You won't. I think this shows up more in the five-fold ministry than it does anywhere else. Meaning, a lot of times people can, can do a few things on a, um, a volunteer basis or something like that, and, and it never really goes to, um, you know, if somebody can't sing, you know it. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that, that gift is prominent, right? And the Lord loves you, even if you can't sing. And I want to hear you sing out here if you can't sing. But there's giftings that need to be on microphones and giftings that don't need to be on microphones. Can I get an amen? You want to hear a funny story? There was a church years ago that just let anybody and everybody that wanted to sing do it publicly on microphones. And... Um, they said there was this lady that would get up and she would sing. And every time she would sing, before she sang, she said, well, I'm not much of a singer, so don't listen to me sing, just listen to the words. And they said it was terrible. It was horrible. Like throwing two sacks in, or two cats in a sack and shaking them up. And so one time there was this older guy that didn't mind speaking his mind in the audience and I guess he had had enough. And she got up and she said, well now I'm not much of a singer so don't listen to the way I sing, just listen to the words. And he said, well why don't you just read them then? <laughs> but I, I think it shows up a lot more. I see it a lot more when it comes to the ministry because there are so many people who want to be a pastor and they want to be an evangelist or they want to be a worship leader, they want to be all these things, they see that and probably, I'm, I'm not going to judge people's heart, but probably borderlining on lusting for that or wanting that in their life and 
I'm here to tell you that no matter how much you want that, if that's not how God made you, you are simply doing one thing, and that is wasting time not doing where God, what God called you to do and where God called you to do it by trying to do something that you will never be able to do. I don't care. You can go to Bible school and you can learn the Word of God and you can learn how to preach and you can learn how to do all those things. But I'm here to tell you what, what I am able to do, I cannot take any credit for that because if you knew me beforehand or if you know me, my wife, I mean, she probably every week goes, how in the world? I know this guy. I've known him since he was 16, 17 years old. This is not something that I play around with. This is not something that I had to pursue. This is, this is a place in the body of Christ that I had to obey. Many times had to obey. And you say, well, you don't like doing Oh, no, I love being in the middle of the will of God. That's why I preach so much about you finding the will of God for your life. Because I know how awesome it is when you get in the will of God and you just operate the way God asked you to operate. But there has been many times where I thought, man, I wish I could just go to church. I'm, I'm not too long ago, not too long ago. And I, it was one of them things that I just realized. And that's why, and I said some to the staff, and that's why they're so sweet during uh, pastor appreciation. One of the biggest gifts that they gave me is they said, we're going to take the entire service. We just want you and your family to come to church. And it was because I had went to uh, um, you know, a meeting. A lot of times when Christy and I go to meetings, it's either me or it's me and her. Um, but as a family, we don't go. And I remember we went over to Shreveport and we went to a service and we went out to eat beforehand. I didn't have to worry about what songs we were going to sing. I didn't have to worry about what I was going to preach or anything like that. I just had to worry about getting my family in the car. We went over and we ate. We had a good time. We walked in. People greeted us. And I got to experience what you guys get to experience every week. And it was wonderful. It was awesome. But I'll guarantee you this. Too many weeks of just doing that, I'd be like, okay, what am I supposed to do in the kingdom of God? What am I supposed to do? That's how I've always said, you're just that way because you're a preacher. No, when I got saved and I started going to church, that was me then before I've ever been given a position. That was me then before I was ever paid to do anything in the ministry. That was me when I was in Bible school. That was me when I first got here. It didn't matter what needed to be done. I said, I want to be here and I want to I wanna, I wanna make it happen. I want to build the kingdom of God. Amen? Is this all right? So, verse 20, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you, no much rather. That's very interesting, because it brought the head into this. Who's the head? Any, any takers? Going once, going twice? Who's the head? Are you the head? Am I the head? No, Jesus is the head. But Paul says right here to the church, the head can't even say to the feet, I have no need of you. That's interesting. That's interesting. You know what that means? If Jesus' church is going to do what Jesus needs it to do, he needs you. And he knows that. That's why he loves you so much. That's why he died for you. That's why he's done everything that he can do to empower you by the same spirit that he was empowered with. Because he needs you. Watch, let's read it again. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to, the, to that part which lacks it, that there should be no, watch this, schism in the body. That there should be no schism in the body. Meaning that there should be not one part of the body exalted above the head. That there should be no part of the body that thinks that they're any better than any other part of the body. The only part of the body that is exalted above the rest of the body is the head who is Jesus Christ. Amen? 
All the rest of us, we're in the body to serve the rest of the body, to serve the head, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and to go out and do in this day what Jesus did when he walked in his earthly body. Amen? If you want to boil the, 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 the church down to the very brass tacks of what we're here to do, we're here to be connected to each other through Jesus Christ so that we can go out and do the things that Jesus did while he was here on the earth as his body now in the earth. That's why Jesus said that you are going to do the things that I did and you're going to do them greater. You know why? Because there is greater amounts of the body of Christ in the earth today than there was the, on the 33 years that Jesus walked the earth. Can I say that again? There are greater amounts of the body of Christ in the earth today than there were 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked the earth as a man. You say, how can you say that? Simple, multiplication. There was one body of Christ. He could be in one location at one time, healing a certain amount of people, preaching to a certain amount of people. But when he died for everyone, it gave us as people the ability to accept him as Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. And now we're in the family of God. We're in the body of Christ. We are in the church and we are to be his hands. We are to be his feet. And, we, and Jesus effectively multiplied himself into multiple millions of people. Come on now. That's who you are. When you were born again, you were born again into the body of Christ. So let's... Uh, There should be no schism in the body, verse 25, but that the members should have the same care for one another. The members should have the same care for one another. What does that mean? That means, just like in your own physical body, when something is wrong, you don't look at it as the foot's problem. Anybody ever stepped on a nail? Oh, my God. That hurts so bad. When I was a kid, I remember stepping in a nail right in, the, right in the arch of my foot. And it hurt and it hurt and it hurt. You know what? There's not one part of my body that was, a, that was able to say, I don't care, that was the foot's problem. <laughs> if my foot got impaled, the rest of my body got impaled. But see, we don't view ourselves that way as the church. And so when we see somebody in the church having an issue, we go, well, God bless them. I said, I'm glad I'm not going through that. You should see yourself as going through that too because they're a part of the body. And you should have care for one another like you would care for yourself because they are now a part of you if you see yourself connected to the body of Christ. Oh, you're in the body of Christ. I'm in the body of Christ. You might be a hand and I might be a foot, but my hand's on fire right now. So I'm going to do what I need to do to help my hand out. Amen. I'm not going to turn around and say, well, you know what? That's just their problem. I hope they get through it. Jesus, help them. No, no, no. Jesus is the head, and we are his body. And he says, if I'm going to help them, I'm going to have to help them through my body, which is you and me. Praise God. There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored... Then all the members rejoice with, ooh, that's even tougher, I think. I think people can understand if somebody's suffering, we need to help them out. But I think loads of people can't handle when a part of the body gets honored because then we get jealous. I've been at that church that many years and they want to honor somebody, just walk in the door and just, do they even know that person? I know that person. I went to high school with that person. Last person needs to be honored around here. Oh, that's not how we actually look. We go. <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> uh, well, that's harder. You know, if there's somebody suffering, you go, oh, oh, let me help you out. You're suffering. Let me, let, oh, y'all see me helping this suffering person out? But somebody gets honored. It's hard to honor. But Paul didn't leave that out, and he didn't leave that out on purpose. 
Because if we're going to see ourselves as one body of Christ, that not only should we be there to help a part of the body that's suffering, but we should also be there to help honor a part that's being honored. Amen? Amen. All the members, watch this. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So this is, this is my bottom line this morning. This is my main point this morning. And it's, it's simply this. I need you and you need me. I need you, and you need me. Can we say that? Say, I need you, and you need me. Turn the person next to you and say, I need you, and you better believe you need me. We need each other. And yes, there are people who have different capacities. There are people that have different capacities, just like in real life. There are people who have different capacities. Just like in real life, there are people who are workhorses. They may not have the ability to think through a lot of things. But if you give them a plan, they'll build it faster than the one who thinks because the one who thinks is always overthinking. Right? But then the one who, who uh, is the doer Needs to understand, I got to submit to the one who thinks because clearly I don't think, I just do. Right? So when we understand how each other's capacities are, it's, 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 we understand it so perfectly well when it comes to natural teams and sports and all these different things. But somehow when we come to the church, we all see each other as, I'm just here to consume. I'm just here to get what I need. I'm just here to check that box. When God is saying, no, you are completely missing the point of why we gather. You're completely missing the point of why we are the body of Christ. But if we're the body of Christ, we have to see each other as one body Many members all connected. We all suffer together. We all honor together. We all understand how each of us uh, work and how each of us think that some of us are feet, some of us are legs, and some of us are hands, and some of us are arms, and some of us are eyes, and some of us are nose, and some of us are butts. <laughs> Most of the time, the butts are talking the loudest. I digress. Let's go on. Right? But the bottom line is, I need you and you need me. We all have functions. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this with a loose connection. We can't do this with a sporadic charge up every once in a while. You can't and I can't. In my experience, watching people in the church for the past 23 years, longer but just as a minister, I've seen, I've seen the repercussions of a loosely connected person. This is no guilt trip, so don't take it as that. I'm just showing you what I've observed. A loosely connected person will stay for a while, sometimes a great while. And then they go through this drop-off. You can almost sense it. They begin to get more and more distant. And then without fail, basically their number one thought is I'm not getting what I need. You see, you, they'll, they'll even, if you talk to them, I just don't feel like I'm getting what I need. That's mainly their, their thought process. But then what they're doing is is they, they got this, I'm not getting what I need, I'm not getting what I need, I'm not getting what I need because of this loose connection. And that's what consumes them. And then one day, there's the straw that broke the camel back. They experience probably a normal thing that you would experience in any other situation, but because they've already been dwelling on, I'm not getting what I need, um, I don't feel connected, even though, their loose connection has got nothing to do with where they go to church, but everything to do with every excuse that they use as to why they're not connected. And then it's, I'm not getting what I need. 
And you'll hear that for a while, and then something will happen. A kid will get bit in the nursery. Somebody doesn't say hi. They perceive these different things. It was too hot in there today. It was too cold in there today. And then all of a sudden, they just completely disconnect. And they may go to another church, and they may start that cycle all over again. But to me, I've seen it so many times. That's the cycle of a loosely connected person. The ones that come from time to time, these are not loosely connected, but maybe they're monthly or bi-monthly. And if you work and all that stuff, again, none of this message is meant to be a guilt trip. I'm just telling you what I observe. But there's that monthly, bi-monthly person, and um, they'll do that until they just burn out. They'll come sporadically, until they finally just burn out. And you'll just, they'll just kind of drift off. And this is just an observation. I've seen it happen to too many people. I've seen it happen to people that I knew well and people that I didn't know well. But a loosely connected or a sporadically connected person to a body of Christ, you're really on a ticking timeline of when your day that you just decide our family doesn't go to church anymore. And I will say this too that I've noticed. When you, if you ever lay out a church for a long time, it is extremely hard to get back. Extremely hard to get back. Not because of the church, but because of all that stuff that has happened and transpired throughout those years or months or whatever that you weren't connected at all. Now, this is just another observation. The ones who are connected to Jesus first, they're not connected to a pastor first. They're not connected to a ministry first. The ones who are connected to Jesus first, Jesus first, and then the local church, tend to be there week in, and week out, not in every case. This is not across the board answers. But they tend to be there week in and week out. They endeavor to discover first where they can just help. And I say that because some people, they want to find the, the like, like, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, and I don't do this. But I will do this if you ever have an option for me to do this. But what I found out when people get connected to Jesus first and then they get connected to a local church, their, their, their source... And their strength is coming from Jesus. And so their eyes are on Jesus and not in the imperfections of the local church. And then when they get there, they go, how can I help? Not, this is where I will help and this is the only place that I will help. Where can I help? You guys might not be aware of it or not, and some of you will because I've told this story before. But when I was hired here at 19 years old to become the youth pastor, I really was, was, was the, the lawnmower that also hung out with the teenagers on Wednesday night. Because I did not know how to youth pastor, but I could mow a yard. And you know what? The yard needed mowing, and the flower beds needed pulling, and things needed to be fixed, and things needed to be done this, and paint needed to happen, and all these different things. And it was, I basically youth pastored after hours. Why? Because I love the local church, and I love Jesus, and this is his body, this is his church, this is his campus. And I want to be a part of whatever makes it better, whatever makes his kingdom better. Amen? But the ones who are connected to Jesus first and then the local church, they tend to be there week after week. They endeavor to discover first where they can help. And then as they're helping, they will find their way into the place of grace on their life. Then after years of being planted and weathering storms and experiencing the faithfulness of God in their life, they are so rooted in the kingdom of God that you couldn't move them out of the local church if you tried. I know some people that I would have never thought that they would have ever had a thought to leave the local church. And I'm not just talking about word of faith. Listen, you need to be planted where God wants you planted. If it's here, we're super excited about that. But if it's, gonna, if it's somewhere else, I would gladly help you find a place. Why? Because I believe in the local church. 
I want you to be rooted. I want you to find where God has placed you and how God's made you. I, I'm, I, am, I am more honest about that than anything else. And, and I think a lot of pastors will say that. But not all of them mean it. They, they believe that everybody belongs at their church. And if you're not in their church, then you're out of the will of God. I don't believe that. Why? Because if, if I believed that, then I would have to believe that there's no other churches but this church. But that's not true. I believe greatly in this church. I believe I'm called to this church. I hope you're called to this church. I believe God's got a great mandate for this church. I want to be about that. But I'm not so arrogant to believe that everybody belongs at this church. I've seen many people frustrated in a church because they want to be at this certain church. Not, not necessarily talking about this one, but anywhere. They want to be at that certain church because maybe their parents go there. Or maybe their, their uh, kids go there. Or, or maybe they, they help build something at that church or, or this, that, and the other. And they cannot, they're not, they're not thinking that they're going to walk away on, on where God wants them to be. They're more interested in the fact that I can't walk away from what I invested in. Well, listen, if you invested in this local church, you were investing in the kingdom of God, not just this location. Is this okay? Why? Because I have seen people be a part of a local church and they don't even know why. And they're so frustrated and they keep trying to con contain and control and, and, and micromanage and get it the way that they want it. And I tell you what, we need, this church needs to be like this and, that, and we need to be like this and we need to be like that and we need to do that. And they're so frustrated and they don't know why they're frustrated. And it might just be because you were made different. God made you different and he made you to be attached to a different local body. And a lot of times I've seen where people were so frustrated where they were at, what body that they had, they had chosen. may not have been where God had chosen to be, that they had chosen to be. That not only did their misery affect them because they're not where they're supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing, their misery began to affect the whole church. Listen, you'll never be happier than where God has called you to be doing what God has called you to be doing. I'm happy. How about you? Yeah. I'm, I'm proud, and, and, I, and I don't use the word proud on, on myself often, but I am proud to say that that describes me. I am rooted and I am planted in the local church. Now, saying that, I've seen and experienced some mess in the local church. I've had close friends leave me, talk bad about me. I've had leaders fall, and people use me up and spit me out. But none of that, absolutely none of it, has caused me to blame God or want to discredit or dismantle the local church. I might have had to find a new light bulb to connect to. But I love the local church. I believe in the local church. And when you get rooted and grounded in the word of God, in Jesus Christ, then wherever God puts you, and whatever God puts you doing, you start getting into that it's so funny to me how I've seen people that they can't see one good thing going on because of, of they, them not being where they're supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then you talk to somebody in that same church that is fulfilling the will of God in their life and they're called to be there and you can't make them say something bad. They go, man, it's great. God's doing some wonderful things. We saw 15 kids saved at VBS this year. And we did this and we did that. Man, it's, it's just wonderful. It's just awesome. But then if you, you get somebody who's picking things apart. Now, I'm not saying that if there's unbiblical things going on that somebody ought not say, hey, there's unbiblical things going on. We need to figure this out. Like I said, I've been through mess. I've felt crazy before thinking, 
is, is it me? And then I've realized, no. This person is connected to a ministry. This person is connected to a location. This person is connected to a friend that's no longer a friend anymore. And, and, and they're not connected to Jesus first. Yeah, they're saved, but they're not, their connection is Jesus. See, I, it wouldn't matter to me this morning. It, it would. I mean, I can't say that my natural feelings wouldn't be hurt. But if every single person got up in this place this morning and walked out, and I knew with a clean conscience that I had done what I was supposed to do and preached what I was supposed to preach. You know what? I would be sad. I'd be hurt. My natural side would. But I would still be connected to Jesus. And unless Jesus or the board told me to leave, I would be right back in this pulpit next week. People only want to popular Christian. I say that again. People only want to be in the church if it's popular and if it's, if it's loved and celebrated. They only want to do things that make them feel good and feel right about themselves. And this makes me feel like, like healthy all the time. If that was the case for me, there's been a lot of Sundays I'd have called in before I came up here and worshiped. There'd have been a lot of times I didn't show up. But this is not about me. It's first of all about Jesus. And then it's also the fact that I understand and know that there's a vital connection for me when I'm deeply rooted in the local church and there's a vital connection for you when I'm deeply rooted in the, in the local church. And the same goes for you. You are missed you are missed and you are felt when you're not connected. You are missed and you are felt when you are not here. And I'm not saying that again as a guilt trip. This isn't grandma saying, you never come by and see us anymore. No. You're a vital part of what God wants to do in this area. And I know everybody can't be here all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a difference in between things coming up from time to time and then church being the thing that you do only when you don't have anything else to do. Can I say that again? There is a huge difference. If everything can make you not go to church, you choose everything that is possible, then there will always be something. Satan will make sure there's always something good and wholesome for you to go do instead of church. Always. I had a very, very, very good friend of mine. I did not know his question was rhetorical. I did not know he didn't want me to answer it truthfully. I, I, I didn't realize until after I had, had said what I said that he wanted me to coddle him and tell him, oh, dude, you're doing great. But he told me, he's like, you know, we really want to be a part of church. We really want to go there. We know our kids need to be there. But man, how, how do y'all just go? Like, how do y'all go? Because obviously people could see us and go, well, you're paid to go. Yeah. There's been days where that didn't matter. I had to get over things in my heart too. There's been times where I wanted to go do other things. And I, I just told him, I said, man, I said, and I just told him what I just told y'all. I said, you, you have to Make the Lord's day untraspassable. If, if you really want to know the answer. You can't let, and when people say, hey, can y'all go to this on Sunday? Now we'll go to church. But usually it's the other way around. It's, hey, y'all coming to church? Well, we would, but. We would. I promise I'll only dance on your toes a little bit longer, but I'm going to finish. Because this is not about me making you feel bad. This is about helping you to understand how off your priorities have gotten. When there is no time for God in your life, once a week for a couple of hours to meet with his body, your priorities are off. Off. You say, you're hurting my feelings. Not trying to. 
I love you. And I'm not trying to boost church attendance. Because I will have church in here with two people, one person, and we'll have a good old time. But I'm also tired of watching very good families, men and women and children, be constantly attacked and led astray because of their loose or sporadic connection to the body. I knew this one was going to get quiet, but listen, I'm going on vacation in a few hours, and y'all get over it. I'm going to be skiing tomorrow, and y'all just get over it. We're, um, Jackson, for his, uh, we told him we'd take him, do a vacation. His, he got to choose a vacation this year for, for his uh, um, senior trip, and so he said, I want to go snow skiing. So you can't snow ski in, in the summer, so... I guess you could at one place. There's, there's a place. Um, listen, guys, we've, we've got to be bigger than offense as a local church. We've got to be better than worldly distractions and, and opinions. You know, the, the world is not uh, smiling down on church attendance right now. I said last week we, we gave a, um, we gave some statistics. And right now, um, since 2001 actually, um, there was an eight decade survey going on. And in, in eight decades, 80 years, um, the church actually in 2001 dropped below 50% church attendance. So as I, said, as I said last week, if you're in church this morning, you're the minority. There's, there's more Christians. That's not talking about unsaved people. That's talking about Christians. There's more Christians this morning not in church than are in church this morning for the first time in 80 years. First time in 80 years. So you are the minority. So I am by no means trying to beat you up this morning <laughs> and, 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 or anybody but for that matter. But we're the local church. Jesus is our head. The Holy Spirit's living on the inside of us. He's empowering us and God himself has, has given us a mission. There's not one person who can or should or will do it all. It takes all of us. We're all always better together. So what do we do? You say, what do we do, Pastor? Well, I would, I would, I would do this. I would dig your toes in. When we, were, when we were playing ball, and there were times where the coach would say, you, guys, you boys are going to have to, up there on that line, you're going to have to dig your toes in. You are going to have to be unmovable. And it's not easy. I'm not sitting up here saying it's easy. We're, we're natural and normal like everybody else. But there are just times where it's like, oh my gosh. I'm always, I always want to be honest with you. Wednesday night, I looked at Christy and I go, I don't, even, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. It's cold and it's kind of rainy. I don't want to go. But you know what? I wasn't saying that when, when I left. I say, man, the word was good. The presence of God was good. I feel, I feel good. I was there. I was there tonight. I didn't, I didn't stay at home. I was there. Of course, I couldn't. Everybody would be calling me. <laughs> Dig your toes in. We're in a fight. We've all got a million excuses as to why we don't serve God the way that we know we're convicted in our hearts to serve him. Simply walk out from underneath all of those excuses and overthinking and serve God. Serve him through the local church. And that is why we church. I got one scripture on that excuses thing, and I promise you, I will let you go. You'll have all week to recover. Go out there and get your friends. Call them on the phone and say, girl, he was talking about you this morning. <laughs> Listen to this. Now, this is the parable of the Great Supper. This is Jesus telling this parable. And this is what he says it's like when Jesus extends his goodness to most people. He says, now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these sayings, he said to him, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said to him, meaning Jesus, he said, a certain man. So he's talking about this. And Jesus takes this as an opportunity. He says, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. 
But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go see about it. I ask you, I ask you to have me excused. I've heard that excuse before. We're working the land this weekend, so I won't be there this this weekend, Pastor. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. I've heard that excuse before. We're working livestock this, this weekend, Pastor. We can't be there. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, uh, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to him, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these men who were invited shall taste my supper. Make no mistake about it, the house of the Lord will be filled. The question is, will it be filled with you or not? One of the saddest things, and I'm I'm ending with this. I'm ending on a sad note. But seriously, one of the saddest things I've seen for years as a pastor or a minister is people with all kinds of potential to do so many great things for the kingdom of God. Never able to reach that potential because they always have an excuse. They've always got something else to do. They're loosely connected. They're sporadically connected. They never make that commitment to say, I am a son or a daughter of God. And because of that, I'm not only connected to Jesus, but I'm connected to his body. And I'm going to make it a, a, a something that is so um, you know, important in my life that I am connected with the rest of the body. And listen, if you can't be connected in that way here, then I promise you, I, I meant every word I said, I will help you find somewhere because my, my greatest desire for you and for your family is to be connected and watch you thrive in the kingdom of God. Every person in here, every family in here has got so much potential in the kingdom of God, but you will never reach that potential as long as there's always something else to do. Because we're always going to be buying land. We're always going to be proven oxen. We're always going to be marrying off our kids or whatever. But God should not be put on the back burner. His kingdom, his church, his local body should not be put on the back burner just because we all got normal things to do. Have y'all taken enough? Say mercy, mercy, pastor, no more, right? We're always better together. And you know, this may have been a little bit rough for you this morning, but you'd much rather me be preaching about how I want to see you a part of the local church than me going, hey guys, I can't wait to not see y'all next week, right? Man, when you, when you pray for a place, this is just a last pastoral note and then I'll, we'll pray. But when you begin to pray for a place in the spirit, when you begin to pray for a local body, in the spirit. Of course, you know, like I said, I was here for 14 years before I've been here now two and a half. But when you, when you begin to pray for a place specifically as the pastor in the spirit, God shows you vision for a place. And, and sometimes you're able to articulate it. Sometimes you're able to give it out. And other times you kind of have to sit on it until the Lord asks you to, to begin to, to say something about it. But if, if you, just a little glimpse that God's given me about the things that God wants to do through this place right here. And I'm not saying that in an arrogant or haughty way. I know God's got great and wonderful plans and promises for every local body that Jesus Christ is their Lord, but, but I don't know about them. I know about this one. And I'm telling you, God's got some wonderful things. He has not gathered the, the quality and the quantity of people in a local place if he didn't want to do something great with you. He didn't, he didn't give us this facility. He didn't bring you into this place if he just wanted us just to come and sit and, 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 and talk about how wonderful the place is. No, no, no. There is a great and wonderful uh, plan and purpose for your life and, and for this church. And we need to be about it. Amen.
I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.